A few years ago, I was traveling to the northeast part of the country to help present a workshop at a Catholic parish. And an older widower, a member of the parish hosting the workshop, had graciously volunteered to open his home to me. When I arrived, he warmly welcomed me and started showing me around the house, and everything was going great until, well, I'll tell you about it coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. If you're in need of a bit of encouragement and inspiration for living out your Catholic faith today, you have come to the right place. Our seasoned spiritual directors are here to offer the guidance and counsel you're searching for. And I'm your host, Patrick Conley. So this older parishioner who had lost his wife some years before was showing me around his home. And I had gathered he was rather a pillar of the parish and the community. He started with the practical, showing me the bedroom I'd be staying in and pointing out where I could find snacks and, very importantly, coffee in the morning. Well, next we made our way into his living room, where he directed my attention to a grand set of shelves that dominated one wall. There were numerous photos, as well as trophies, awards, plaques, and other items. And I was just there absorbing it all, because this was where I was discovering more about the man who was my host, his passions, his interests, and the life that he had thus far led. Eventually, though, he steered my attention to an object in the center of the shelves. I hadn't really noticed it until then, and I was engrossed in the photos and the trophies. And this, he said, indicating this object, this is my beloved Nora. It took me a second, but then it came like a flood. This was the urn containing his wife's ashes, sitting here on his living room shelf for years. Well, I was dumbstruck, simultaneously realizing how much it meant to him to have his wife's cremains there with him in the home that they had built together, but also knowing that preserving cremains in one's home, well, that's outside of Catholic teaching. So not knowing if I should say anything to this man I had just met and who, in addition, was my host for the weekend, I remain silent, and Lord forgive me if it was the wrong decision. And that was just one experience. And often, though, there is confusion in and around what ways the church honors and remain the remains of those who have died. And when situations like the one I encountered arise, there can also be no small amount of awkwardness, as I found out. What if the deceased's wishes go against Catholic teaching? And why does the church teach what it does anyway? Well, today on the show, we're talking about Christian burial. Here to help us out with some explanation of our church's teaching and with some counsel in navigating these awkward situations is our spiritual director, Father Marcel Tyone. Father Tyone is the pastor of St. Thomas More Catholic Church in the Diocese of Providence, Rhode Island, and also serving as the director of vocations for the Archdiocese for the Military Services. Father Tyone, welcome back to the show, and thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me today, and it's uh, it's a perfect topic on Mardi Gras. Ash Wednesday comes upon us tomorrow, right? Talk about ashes. We're going to be experiencing that literally on our foreheads tomorrow, so I, I couldn't think of a better segue uh, topic for, for the holy days, the holy season that's coming to us. Yeah, we are indeed dust, and to dust we shall return. And actually, let's use that as a jumping-off point, Father. I mean, if we're just returning to the dust, why is it so important? I mean, what what is it? what's so important about uh, the Christian understanding of the way that we honor those who have died and their remains? So first of all, right, we know that uh, Christ, what happened, uh, we celebrate Easter as the most important day in the Christian calendar. And what do we celebrate? We celebrate and commemorate and experience, hopefully, 
the risen Jesus, he raised in his body. So his resurrected body was raised from the dead in the tomb in Jerusalem. And he rose and appeared with his glorified wounds, we know, to many people, right? So he kept appearing on Sundays and coming to the community and everything from on the road to Emmaus to different places. Jesus showed, remember, Doubting Thomas, I think, is a great place to also reflect about this today. Thomas was not present when Jesus came. And then he come, Jesus comes back and put your hands in my side. In other words, if you need to see see my glorified wounds, and what, what were those? That was... Christ in his risen body. So it's a mystery to us, but we know it really happened, and that the Easter Proclamation. So what are we doing as Christians? We celebrate and believe that body and soul, at the moment of conception, uh, a soul is infused into the person that's growing, really intentionally by God's will, or someone cannot exist, and that person we grow body and soul, and at the moment of our death, our body and soul separate now, why do Christians keep the body? I think it's obvious of all religions in the world, we value Christ, we, we want to be like Christ and with Christ forever, and we believe that Mary's body was preserved from the effects of original sin, right? So what happened? Mary was assumed body and soul into heaven, so she did not decompose by God's grace, by his power, his gift. So we have Mary's body in heaven and Christ's resurrected body in heaven, and one day we too She'll join them on the last day when the body, our bodies, we raised up. So sometimes we go to a cemetery and the priest or someone saying prayers, and the prayers at the cemetery are also say that once we know Jesus Christ, the grave becomes a sign of hope. Hope for what? Hope for the bodily resurrection. So Christians have kept bodies when possible and had a dignified burial of them, and it's a place to pray, but it's the place where the body will be raised up on the last day. So I always like to tell people the cemetery is not the last stop. Um, it's a place of waiting and lying. The body lays. It does decompose, but God will in some way uh, raise up. Uh, those are bodies. So that's why I always love when the body and not cremains come to mass for a funeral, because I don't know, it's always, it's always been a, a unique and a kind of a lack of a better word, a better experience. Um, I love blessing the body. And especially when someone's maybe someone's kind of diminished quite a bit or suffered physically terribly in the body in the nursing home or some kind of illness or something. It's always, but I find even at the wake, seeing the body gives a consolation. This is you can see the body like sort of at rest and no longer suffering. And that also helps a lot of those who are remain here in the world to, to find a peace. And then we preach the bodily resurrection at the funeral. We proclaim that at the moment of baptism, we say we die into Jesus Christ. We die into his death and resurrection. So at the moment someone's baptized, we die into Christ. And then at our funeral, we say that the person, the soul has been born into Christ, and one day the body will be raised up on the last day. So if you go to a Catholic funeral, which, by the way, I think the Catholic Church has the most beautiful funeral rite of any religion I've ever seen, um, and part of it is what we do with the body, just to, because we believe our bodies are sacred. So it's not, you know, sometimes different, what we call heresies, when someone doesn't believe something that's about Christ correctly. Um, and sometimes over the centuries, there's always like these people that believe, you know, sort of the body's evil, and it's almost like a cage, and the bird gets let out of the cage at death, and then we throw the body away, we burn it or get rid of it, and it's got nothing to do with us. And in the modern day, I'm glad this is a good topic for Ash Wednesday, because we'll have ashes put on our head as a sign. We'll say, remember you are dust, dust you return. Remember you're mortal. You're, you're immortal in baptism, but you're mortal. So we're all going to take our last breath here on earth one day, and Lent is a big retreat to get us ready for that personal judgment, but also to become more like Jesus Christ. And we do that using our bodies. That's why prayer, we pray, we use our bodies when we pray. 
We discipline ourselves by fasting from meat and other things. We, that's a bodily involved action of God's love, our love for God. And then uh, almsgiving, right? we use our bodies to serve people in the soup kitchen, to help other people, to visit them, to hold them, to give them a sign of peace, all these things that we do. But we use our body. So in the Catholic Church has always believed the body is sacred. So that's why sexuality is sacred. Humanity is sacred. Human nature is blessed. So we, we, we share in the, we're made in the image and likeness of God. We have reason. We have freedom. And our bodies are a gift to us, even with all their aches and pains and the problems they, they do have. Uh, our bodies we raised up on the last day, so it's a it's a very it's really a, the mystery of the promise of Easter that's given to each of us at baptism is something to recall on Mardi Gras Fat Tuesday because we're we're going to enter into soul and body uh, disciplines and, and Lenten practices and we start right off right we put isn't it weird we put ashes on the head yeah. um, and that's a sign of, that's a sign we're saying to the whole world I am a sinner I need Jesus Christ it's not showing off it's just telling the truth that I I belong to Jesus and Again, we don't, you know, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. We don't put a heart. Essentially, we put a cross, not a heart, on people's forehead um, because the cross is the ultimate symbol of love more than the heart um, because we who know the cross is, is redemption, is self-sacrifice, and God's love. Uh, that's why the priest or the minister puts a, puts a cross on the head, and it's a, it's a reminder to oneself that one is one, we're, all, we're all penitents. We're all supposed to be good penitents and be penitential because none of us, we need God's mercy. We're not perfect. We know that. And it tells the whole world, hey, I believe in Jesus. He's died for me, and I'm willing to start this retreat. And so it's, we don't wear those ashes to show off, but just to tell the truth. It's the truth yeah. of our existence. We've been saved, but we, we need God's help, and we need the cross. You know, And I just find it's, it's a very powerful symbol. People are attracted to ashes. That, we get people that come only on Ash Wednesday all year. It's kind of weird. It's not really a holy day of obligation, but there are Ash Wednesday people that just come. They want their ashes. It's like I always think there's that <laughs> yep. sense of mortality, but it's a, it's, I think every parish has that, right? There's Ash Wednesday groupies that come out of the woodwork. They come in <laughs> yep. once a year for the ashes, and I don't— <laughs> I always wonder, what's that about? Why is that? And it must be mortality. Like, I can't point to anything else that they know they're mortal. There's some kind of maybe supernatural attraction to immortality. Like, why do they come just tomorrow? I, I, and that's every yeah. parish has it. I always find it's very strange, isn't it? It's fascinating. Yeah. Ash Wednesday groupies. I like that. A good yeah. introduction to our topic today on Christian burial and how, how the church honors uh, the bodily remains of those who have passed away and uh, what the church is teaching is. And uh, I'm telling you, I, I think we should open up the phone lines here now, Father, and uh, because I'm guessing there's a lot of questions about this and some comments as well. People seeking, if you have questions about Christian burial, about uh, the proper thing to do with the remains of our loved ones who have passed on, and maybe you have some experiences, particularly on burying the dead, um, or like I had too, or maybe there's an awkward situation that's come up and you need some advice that way, give us a call. Our toll-free studio line is 888-914-9149. That is sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, so our thanks to them for that. Again, the number is 888-914-9149. Our email address, if you'd prefer, is innerlife at relevantradio.com. And let's do take a phone call, Father. We've got Nora calling in from Bakersfield, California. Good morning, Nora. Thanks for calling the Inner Life. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. So I have an uncle who's been a lifelong Catholic who is ill and making him think about end-of-life decisions. And his question was, is it permissible to be cremated, have a funeral mass, but then hold the cremated remains, the ashes, until his wife dies and then be placed in the casket with her upon her death? 
yeah, he wasn't so, sure if I mean, that was permissible. Yeah, so normally, right, the normal thing is to bury ashes because of the resurrection. And also, you know, the right thing, they're, they're going to end up together in a grave, right? So in other words, we want to kind of honor, again, I, cremation is allowed, right? It's It's allowed. It's not the preference, but it is allowed. And many people do that, especially since COVID or maybe, you know, economics. If people have to fly a body back to another place far away, they can't afford to transport the body and a casket and everything. So there's different reasons people do cremate sometimes, uh, you know, for different various reasons. Um, but again, I don't know, you know, again, uh, I would say that the preference, I like to use the word, the church would prefer that ashes be buried, right? So that would be the normal People get innocently, very innocently, and I stress that word, it's innocent, but they get some different ideas around burial rituals. And the more secular a society gets, the more creative the rituals become because human beings desire ritual. They want something to do to commemorate the person. So um, sometimes in these modern days, very strange things, people are dividing up cremains and giving them out to people. And I, I always, that's obviously not allowed for Catholics, but it's a very disturbing trend to me. Like, But if, I, I always think, you know, we what we say, it's, there's a great Latin saying they teach us in seminary, lex orandi, lex credendi, how we pray reveals what we believe. So we believe in the bodily resurrection. That's Easter, the promise of Easter. That's his, that's ours. And we want to, again, put the cremains or the remains in a place where the resurrection will take place. And cemeteries are blessed ground, right? So a home might be blessed, but not in the same way a sacred, a cemetery, especially Catholic cemeteries are great. They, they have beautiful monuments and Christian symbols. There are masses offered for the dead in the cemeteries regularly. So all those bodies that are there, there's masses offered for their repose of their souls, anticipating resurrection. There's that benefit to being in a Catholic cemetery as well. Um, so I would say the best thing would be to to really bury the cremains, and since they'll end up together, you know, they'll end up side by side um, in the cemetery. That's the preference. Again, it's is it the absolute end of the world? It sounds like he is going to bury the cremains with his wife, but I always think, uh, I don't know, I, I just find... Having human remains in the house at the the story you just the the whole, right we just heard the story at the top of the hour about someone sleeping in a house <laughs> with remains in the house and it's it's very I think it's a bit I know people love to be close to their loved ones but it, I just find it's uh, I find that disconcerting for a very sometimes people do hold the remains for good reasons they're stuck or they're waiting for you know, family members to come to town for the burial or something like that. We've had that happen here and other places I know of. So sometimes there's there's kind of good reasons around it. They're not all bad, but we want to make sure, if possible, burial, and if possible, want to make sure that the ashes don't remain in the house. I We have had parishioners find cremains in their home, like from, they don't know who it is. Like sometimes <laughs> we've had, kind of shockingly, they'll a relative kept the cremains of someone and didn't tell anyone and the person dies and they find cremains in the house and no one knows whose they are. So the other thing that, you know, in a hundred years from now, you know, who's going to love the people like we love them. And, you know, people will hear stories about ancestors, but we want to make sure that the cremains are placed in anticipation of that resurrection. So that's the ultimate goal is to do that. And um, certainly by calling in the Nora today, you'll get huge prayers for both of them, right? So we're going to invite listeners today to pray for your family and also pray pray for him too, as he to see he has great faith in Jesus and his love for him and that he's going to meet Christ. So that's that's the other part here that we want to make sure we don't forget to mention as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Nora, thank you for the f- t- telephone call. And again, I'm sure there's plenty of these uh, plenty of these situations that are out there. If you'd like to get your question in with Father Marcel Tyone, our spiritual director today, give us a call at 888-914-9149. Let's go now to Sal calling in from Clovis, California. Sal, good morning. Welcome. Morning. Uh, I called yesterday. Uh, thank God for relevant radio. Um, anyway, uh, my wife passed away during COVID four years ago in 2020. And there was no masses in the church, and of course she was uh, taken out to St. Peter's Cemetery here, and uh, we had a the priest was there, Monsignor was there, and he said nice prayers and everything at the cemetery, but we didn't go in for a mass, and of course uh, I was instructed by Monsignor soon as you can get a mass said for your wife, and I did, of course, and I'm still having mass said for my Great. wife because I believe Padre Peel saying. All the masses you can have will cut your purgatory time. So anyway, uh, my question is, I would like to have the same service my wife had. And uh, it didn't involve going into the Catholic Church, of course, or having a mass and having a mass after. Is that appropriate, or should I check with my pastor about how I should have my final service? Because I instructed my son, I want the same service my wife had. So obviously the highest service, the most important thing, it's it's great, right? You're having masses said for your wife's soul. Um, so a Catholic, the normal thing, the most the most wonderful thing we can do for someone we love is to have a Catholic mass. There's nothing higher. And then when the body's in church, the body gets incensed and blessed. And the Paul, the family puts the Paul over reminding the people of that day of baptism when usually the little baby or someone put a white cloth over the over the soul. So I would just even kind of urge you on to make sure you have a mask. The only reason your wife didn't have a mask because it was COVID and COVID's done and we had we have masses said for her, but I would say it would be a, a kind of a sadness not to have a mask because all your family's together at the Eucharistic table, uh, praying for you, interceding for you, and the priest gets to bless your body and treat it as it should be treated, which is that it's sacred, your body's sacred. So when the body comes to church and is present at Mass, people feel very close to that person. I think, you know, Mass, Heaven and Earth are dining together, right? There's this Eucharistic meal that's happening, this exchange. So I would, I would in a gentle way, plead with you to have a Mass. I think it's the most important thing a family can do is have Mass together. There's no other prayer like Mass. Even at a cemetery, it's great, but there's nothing higher and more powerful than your whole family praying at Mass together. And what it does, too, I think it evangelizes younger members of the family sometimes that maybe aren't practicing. So all of a sudden, they're in church, they're at worship, they're around the Eucharistic sacrifice themselves, even if they don't believe or don't know, they're around Jesus Christ. So it's a blessing to the guests at the funeral. I think even if someone does not Catholic, they don't understand, Jesus' true presence is there. So I think that's the other, the other great motivation is the person's body gets treated with dignity and respect. But the other thing is it's evangelical to bring people to church at the ultimate prayer, which is Mass. So I would just urge you as with all possibility to to have the Mass that day and, and let your family be together at Mass, which is even more, to me, more critically, stunningly beautiful in grace. That That's a lot of grace for a family. So that's why it's important to have the Mass at the fun- funeral Mass. There's nothing nothing more. Why wait to have the Mass another day? I would, not everybody's going to be there, number one, but you want everybody there. we get, we got to get people to church, and in death we can also convert people. Um, people pray for us, and I think funerals, even more than weddings, are occasions of evangelization. Everybody's going to die. They might be 
texting a lot to not think about it, <laughs> but we all are mortal, right? This Ash Wednesday idea, um, but I think the Mass is a gift for the living and the best gift we can give to the sea. So I'm, uh, I'm going to urge you on to pray about that and kind of maybe reconsider that. And now that your wife's with Jesus, I think she would also want you to have Mass. She's with him who is the Mass. So that's that's the other part I think that's helpful to think of it that way. Yeah, excellent points there, Father, and I especially like that last one, that yes, absolutely, that uh, that's the best way of uh, of maintaining and, and growing in relationship with the Lord, of course, and, and with our deceased loved ones as well, is through the Holy Sacrifice and the Mass. So thank you, Sal, for the uh, question. Thank you for the phone call. Thanks for listening this morning. We've got lots more phone calls to get to and to... Um, to answer, to address with our spiritual director, Father Marcel Tyone, we're talking about Christian burial today. If you have questions about what to do after this life or with uh, perhaps the remains of a loved one, give us a call at 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149 or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. going to take our first break, but we're going to be back with more of the inner life on Christian burial right after this. Stay with us. Big thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. Hurry now to compete for five full tuition scholarships at UD, a leading Catholic university. Apply by February 14th for eligibility. Go to RelevantRadio.com slash UDallas. That's RelevantRadio.com slash UDallas. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio, on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. Quick word of thanks for all of your generosity during our winter pledge drive last week. Thanks be to God we met our $3 million need. Wow, we are so grateful. But if you'd still like to give a gift, you can do so, of course. You can do so at RelevantRadio.com through the Relevant Radio app. Or you can still call us at 877-291-0123 and give your gift there. Today on The Inner Life, we're talking about Christian burial with our spiritual director, Father Marcel Tyone, pastor of St. Thomas More Catholic Church in the Diocese of Providence, Rhode Island, and also the director of vocations for the Archdiocese for the Military Services. Just talking about funeral masses before the break there, Father, and I'm just wondering how important is it to leave directives for funeral masses with our loved ones? So I think it's super important, especially with maybe the diminishment per se, of Catholic culture in some areas and maybe in some families, right? So what breaks my heart the most, I think, in my pastoral life is when someone, you know, maybe someone goes to daily Mass, they love the Eucharist, they're totally Catholic faith, this varsity in, then they pass away, and if the children or grandchildren or whoever is left doesn't have faith, they will often not have a Mass. They don't realize what the Eucharist is. They actually don't realize what the Eucharist is, so so they skip the Mass. So I, I have seen many people, I've learned from my pushers that taught me how to do this, but they will actually leave directions on their funeral and say, I want to be brought to church, I want a Mass. And they would do that to evangelize their family, but also again to receive that grace that day for themselves. So I would encourage our listeners today, it's not morbid to, uh, actually, Ash Wednesday is a time where we're, we're supposed to think about our mortality. So it's not, I think too, if you plan your funeral Mass, you pick out the readings, you pick the hymns, we're all going to have one, we're not going to lie, we're all going to have a funeral as, as a priest, 
one of the first things they do when you become a priest, I get a, my first piece of mail I got from the dies after I was ordained was, please fill out your funeral plans. So that was my <laughs> first letter as a priest. So I'm always, I thought, nice. you know, I got a, it's kind of funny, but that's one of the first pieces of mail a priest gets. You have to plan your own funeral so that we follow sure. Catholic teaching and yeah. we do it. So, so I think it's a healthy thing to do. I don't, I, if you believe in eternal life and you believe your body's going to be raised up, planning your funeral is a good thing. If, yes. if that's what it is, we're meeting Jesus, for goodness sake, this is a good thing. It's, it's sad, and there's temporary separation for our loved ones, but in the end, this is why you were made. You were made to be with Jesus forever, and your body, too, will be raised up. So that's what we're talking about. You know, these, these rituals are not magic. It's Jesus Christ himself. So leave directions. Make a list of, I definitely want this hymn. And if you pick the scripture readings, they will speak more loudly to your family. They'll actually, and whenever they hear those readings, they'll think of you. And it's kind of you're almost giving advice by picking the readings out. And there's nothing wrong. It's nothing. I don't think there's anything more about planning a funeral. It's actually an acceptance that one is mortal, but immortal in Jesus Christ. And it, it'll, it'll help the survivors to survive well and to pray. And the liturgy speaks to us. Every Mass speaks to us. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. And if the person planned it, it means more to the family. And it also helps the family. They don't have to plan it. They already, yeah. If they're going through grief, they're actually knowing that. But we want to make sure our directives are Catholic. So we don't, we can't scatter ashes. We're not going to split them up. We're going to prefer to bring the body to church. Um, I know in our area here, many people, they, they'll bring the body to church and cremate after and then go to the cemetery the next day. They'll, they'll actually bring the body to Mass. We have that often now more. It's, again, we educated our people. Once they understand what a funeral Mass is, they want it. <laughs> they just, they want it. And uh, I had a big thing here in my parish a couple of years ago. I give talks sometimes. My largest talk of the highest um, attendance, I, I called it Funerals and Fromage. So it was funeral planning, and I had wine and cheese. The place was packed. <laughs> we had we nice. had a glass. The ad was a glass of wine in front of a cemetery, <laughs> and people nice. came. And we we made some jokes, but we got the series of done. And what happened yeah. in my parish after that? Cremations went down. The bodies came in. People just didn't hadn't thought about it, about the theology of resurrection. And once they know, again, Lex Arani, like we we pray how we believe. So yeah. again, the mass is the mass is Jesus. So we want to make sure we don't deny ourselves all these graces that the church wants to give us. So let's, let's make a good plan out there. Great Ash Wednesday activity, by the way, plan your funeral. Like it sounds, it's not more, hey, if you know I what like it is, that. plan your funeral on Ash Wednesday. That's a great Lenten practice. I, right. I, I just came up with that now. That's God. I think we should all do that. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I, I like that a lot, father. I do like that. And by the way, um, by the way, uh, Nick, our producer and I have, have both said that we would, we would come to the funerals and fromage party. Um, definitely. Okay, we, would, yeah. we would show up for that. That would be great. I yeah. think it's the wine that's attracting you and the fromage, probably. <laughs> sure. Well, maybe so, but uh, I think it's worthwhile as well. So thank you so much for that. Let's go back to the phones. Doug is calling in from Tarvin Springs, Florida. Good afternoon, Doug. Welcome to the show. Hello, Patrick. Hello, Father. Um, my, quest- my question is this. Um, I became a Catholic. It'll be two years ago, Thursday the 15th. Um, mm-hmm. My children are Catholic. My wife's Catholic. We got married in the Catholic Church. I've been baptized um, as a Lutheran when I was, I think, like a year old. Um, my mother um, was Lutheran and very devout Christian. Very, I mean, that's where my deep faith came from all of those years, and then eventually, you know, to the truth of Catholicism. Um, but when she passed away, um, at first she was going to be, uh, shipped up to Pennsylvania, you know, body and whole. And as time went on, um, we talked about cremation and, um, even the Catholic church says cremation is okay now. 
But her being Lutheran, she said, Doug, I, I don't really care. It's up to you. It's whatever you and you know Rob want to do. And so she was cremated. Um, we had a service for her up in Pennsylvania. The major- Here's the, this, the question. The majority, the overwhelming majority of her ashes are buried in the ground next to her sister, her mom, and her dad um, in her own plot. I have here an urn, and my brother has an urn that has very, like, minute number of ashes. And the only reason why we had these urns was because there was money that needed to be spent because in lieu of, um, you know, a full burial, we did cremation. So it was like, well, what do we do with this money? Right. Um, so that's basically my question is that, is that something that I need to take retro action on to maybe have these urns, you know, sent up and buried or, or what do you think? Yeah. I mean, if I, if, uh, yeah, my, my, a hunch would be that's the, that's the that's the ideal, right? All the cremains are buried together in one place because that's where her resurrection body is going to take place. You know, God is God; He's immense; He's all powerful. But again, I think we want to we'd sort of want to anticipating her bodily resurrection. Anticipating it would mean that we would do all we can within reason um, to keep her all together. That would make the normal thing to put everything together. So that that would be the Catholic response. Again, Lutherans may have different. You know, again, I think different Protestant churches, the Catholic Church has always said the body's sacred. Obviously, Easter, Lutherans believe in Easter. Um, but I, I think, uh, that, yeah, that, I mean, the ideal would be to put her all together and put her there. I don't know, again, if that's feasible financially or practically. There's there's other things involved that you have to think and pray about. But that would be the idea. The ideal would be to certainly. And then, you know, I always go back to this, too, when I talk to people that are in your situation or different complex situations like this, you're not sure. But in 100 years from now, you know, where are those cremains going to be? You'll be with God. You know, what happens to her cremains after the people closest to her are with God and not here to maintain them in the same sort of uh, intensity that you are? So that's the other practical thing. There's a theological reason to keep the cremains together. But I think there's also a very logical reason. I said it early in the program. Sometimes people move into a house or someone dies and they find cremains in the home and they don't know who they're from. And then they don't know what to do. In other words, they they all should be buried. And I think the other thing is when you go to your mom's grave, I think not having the cremains at home would make you want to go to her grave more and pay, pray there, which is a sacred place. The, the the burial sites, as we know, you know, why was Mary Magdalene at the tomb on Easter morning? She was crying and she wanted to be near the remains of Jesus, not realizing he had resurrected. She was going to the cemetery to pray and cry and do what we do sometimes with our loved ones. And she loved... She was visiting the grave at a cemetery. This is the earliest Christians. Um, then Peter and, and John run to the grave, right? They run to the, they were tombs back then. But uh, so that's that's the practice. So I think I think the idea would be if it's possible to to do that. And again, I think on a very practical advice. Again, a hundred years from now, what's going to happen to those creams in your home? And I I don't know. I'd be nervous to want to make sure the respect maintains when when we're not here for our loved ones. That's the other practical advice, I think, why that's such a healthy decision. Yeah. Doug, thank you so much for the call and for the question. Uh, it's a good question. I'm sure it's on the hearts and minds. It's a, it's a reality of the situations that I think we face. There's a lot of different um, possibilities that are out there. So thank you for calling in with the question. Let's go now to Sandy calling in from California. Good morning, Sandy. Thanks for calling The Inner Life. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for taking this call. My dad was buried in uh in a crypt he has shrapnel and rods in his body because without knowing his wishes i found a note that he really wished to be cremated he's been buried more than four years now could i 
have him cremated according to his wishes now? Well, I would say that he's met Jesus, right? He's with Jesus, and I, I think the cremation would be sort of, you know, in other words, he's at rest. His body's where it's going to be raised up. And again, you know, I know this is what happens, right? So oftentimes a loved one like your dad will leave directions, and no one wants to ever uh, not follow those directions. But I think um, at this I would say I have firm belief that now he's with Jesus and his soul is great. His body's going to be raised up and putting the body, burning the body and then reinterring it. I, in other words, he's with Jesus. He's, he's, he has eternal life and his body will be raised up. And now he knows Jesus fully. So we know Jesus here, but not fully till we meet him in the same way. But your dad has met Jesus. So we, we place our faith in that. And again, I, you know, again, I, I don't know. It's, I don't didn't know your dad, so you know, it'd be almost better to talk to you, sort of, sort of off the public airwaves here a little bit later if we need to do that. But I, I think you need to focus on that he's with the Lord, and that's the place of resurrection. And you didn't, and you also didn't know, so you didn't betray him or anything. Like Jesus knows, <laughs> you didn't, you didn't betray your father. You didn't know, so it wasn't like you weren't going against him. So at this point, I think uh, we can maybe chat off the air and kind of walk through it a little more pastly together, maybe. Mm. Yeah, appreciate that. Thank you, Sandy, for the question. And and uh, again, all sorts of different situations that people are facing as we're talking today about Christian burial. How do we honor both the wishes of our loved ones, but also the teaching of our Lord and then through the Catholic Church? Give us a call with your questions at 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. You can always send us an email, too, if you prefer, com. Let's go now to Sam calling in from Austin. Sam, welcome to The Inner Life. It was about 10 years ago that uh, during my mom's, at my mom's burial at the cemetery, um, it was a religious sister that was sent to, at the burial, for the burial. And uh, we found that uh, even to this day, awkward. What can you tell me, please? Yeah, so obviously, did your mom, your mom had a mass too, right? Oh, yes, definitely. Yes. With her, oh, great. So, yeah, so she had the mass, so sometimes... You know, we don't know why. Thanks be to God, the sister came and, and offered some prayers, right? So uh, the prayers at a cemetery, they're not a sacrament, right? So we, we need a priest to offer Mass, and she had she had the fullness of the Mass offered for her and all of you praying. So sister went, maybe the priest got sick, or there was no one. Like Sometimes I've even seen a funeral director <laughs> say the prayers if the priest gets a flat tire or something. I've seen that happen. So thanks be to God, she was there, right? And she probably was there because a priest or a deacon either was sick or couldn't be there. And she is a consecrated woman religious, right? She's a bride of Christ, and she offered prayers. So it's not the norm in most places in the country, but some places where there's lack of priests, lack of vocations, it's more common. So sometimes a deacon or even a lay person, like I've seen seminarians, sometimes will go and offer the prayers. Um, and those prayers, again, those are prayers at the grave. But Obviously, sister or a seminary couldn't bless the grave, but if it's a non-Catholic cemetery, part of the ritual is the priest or the deacon blesses the ground if it's not in a Catholic cemetery. If it's a Catholic cemetery, the whole place is blessed and has masses there. So that's that's the advantage of having a priest or deacon go to the grave. But again, with the lack of priests there in many places, those ministries are falling to other people. And I would just say, you know, at least thanks be to God, a consecrated woman religious was there and she offered the prayers. Um, so that's probably, you know, it's, it's unusual, but it's also very beautiful in its own way. And perhaps she was uh, serving you and your family uh, just 
being so charitable. And because one thing too, we haven't mentioned it yet in the program, but burying the dead is one of the corporal works of mercy. Right. So it's we, there's all those corporal works of mercy, and we're supposed to do those for Lent. So burying the dead. I know I have a funeral director friend that. They have unclaimed bodies today. People are dying and there's no one identifying them, no one coming for them. And there's a ministry here in Rhode Island and other places around the country. So some people actually go and bury the dead. They they take them into the Catholic cemetery and they, they bury the person and have a mass or have prayers said because no one's kind of, some people live kind of isolated from family and friends and they're the last ones left. And so we'll often see in the paper, very sad, does anyone know this person? Please call the state. They have the body. And, uh, and so the body, those corporal works of mercy. So burying the dead is a corporal work of mercy. We should never forget that. That's how important the church emphasizes it. It's a corporal work of mercy, and that's why we respect the bodies that are sacred that will be raised up. So it's a good good mindset to have, a good mind, a frame of mind, again, not being distressed and depressed, but also the joy of Easter being promised to us. Yeah, absolutely. Good reminder as we're heading into this Lenten season starting tomorrow. Thank you so much, Father. Our spiritual director today, Father Marcel Tyone, as we're talking about Christian burial. Lots of great questions and conversation starters coming up through our phone calls today. If you'd like to get in on the conversation, our number is 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. We're going to take our next break, but we got more of the conversation and more of your phone calls coming up right on the other side of it so stay with us don't go away big thanks to our sponsor the university of dallas the catholic university for independent thinkers hurry now to compete for five full tuition scholarships at ud a leading catholic university apply by february 14th for eligibility go to relevantradio.com slash udallas that's relevantradio.com slash udallas Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Connolly. My th- thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, and to Thomas Engeser taking your phone calls today. Grateful that you've joined us today as we're talking about Christian burial with our spiritual director, Father Marcel Tyone, and uh, lots of great questions that are coming up, situations that people are facing, and uh, that's why we're here, to help us to, uh, yeah, to understand our Lord's teaching and to be faithful to that, um, and to yeah understand a little bit more about why our bodies are so important to us as well. Let's go now to Gerard calling in from Bakersfield, California. Good morning, Gerard. Morning. Uh, yeah, I was uh, kind of struck, surprised uh, when Father said that our bodies are sacred, and I wonder if he has some uh, recommended reading that might explain that, whether it's Bible verses or the the uh, Catechism or some other book that's uh, yeah, I mean, struck out at me. Yeah, great. So, uh, great, great thought. Great, you're attracted to that, right? So, so the Catholic Church has always taught and believed, right, that the all human beings have human dignity, and we're body and soul. And I mean, certainly, one of the things to read would certainly be the resurrection appearances of Jesus in His body. So, in the Gospels, to go to those, those are really the foundation of our teaching that even Jesus, his body was sacred. You see the Pieta, right? And St. Peter's, uh, Michelangelo's incredible. Uh, what, is, what is Mary doing? She prepared the body. She washed it, put it in the in the tomb, um, sealed the tomb, right? These beautiful, this image of her holding the dead body of Jesus Christ um, when he came off the cross. Imagine what that was like. So, you know, again, 
like Hindus burn bodies and stuff because it's some people kind of innocently believe a secular way where, you know, once the soul goes to God, it's sort of like mailing an envelope old fashioned style. Once you open the letter, you throw the envelope away because it's no longer needed. The the letters arrive to the end, whereas body and soul, the soul is the envelope, but the soul is there and the body is sort of, it's all together. It's going to be back together in eternity because we're body and soul as Jesus Christ was. So God became man. And then what happened? He's, he's conceived inside of Mary and his soul comes into Mary and God is the father, right? Mary's the mother. And Jesus began, he came in to, in to save us in the same way we're born. He was conceived uh, in Mary's womb by God, and he grew and was an unborn child. We think of Jesus was a fetus, an unborn child, born in Bethlehem. And then we know at the end, suffered so much uh, psychologically and especially physically, uh, and is kind of the torture he went through. And then, he, and then what's the end? He raises up on Easter morning and appears to all these people. So I would read that. I would definitely read the Catholic Catechism on resurrection. Um, things about the Trinity are very helpful. Because when we reflect on our own body and soul, we come to understand how we were redeemed. So God redeemed us uh, by entering into humanity himself and sending his only son. It's an extraordinary beauty around that. And that, that involved the body of Christ, right? So... So Jesus had a body, and uh, just like ours, and has suffered things like we do, and had emotional life as we do, and had relationships as we do, and had faith, and just wanted to be in a free obedience to the Father. So, and again, I think it's important, right? Other religions around the world burn, you know, again, cremation is allowed, but I just find... uh, I like to tell people, let's try to do what the Holy Family did when they experienced death. You know, what what did they do? They washed the body, anointed the body, right? The perfumes came like the quote-unquote, you know, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The myrrh is sort of like embalming fluid, basically, of that time. And here's a strange gift for this child. Who brings who brings anointing fluid to a newborn baby? But again, very deep meaning to that. Again, yeah. we it, it anticipates the bodily suffering and looks forward to the resurrection. Now we see that those, those wise men gifts have a significance for us, a very beautiful theology. So yeah, so the body's sacred, sacred meaning, you know, what we do in the body, whether good or evil, right? You can read St. Paul's writings on the body. He writes very clearly about the body, what we do in the body. The book of James talks very beautifully. There's the scriptures are the place to go. I think then the catechism. And, and then I think just some prayer praying on it again, it's Lent tomorrow. I think I'm going to go back to that. I think the funeral challenge, you know, can you just think about, hey, which hymns or scriptures would I love at my funeral mass? Um, that's, a, that's a great question for to start Lent. Hmm. Yeah, very good. I appreciate that, Gerard. Thanks for the thanks for the question. Father, we've had an email come in from Marie, and I think this is actually going to hit with a lot of people. Um, she writes that her husband has expressed that he wants his ashes spread on the farm fields near our house when he dies. I told them that if he dies first, I cannot carry out his wishes because I don't agree, nor does the church. So, you know, um, would I be, so this is her question, would I be disrespecting the dead if I don't adhere to his wishes? Yeah, it's sad. I don't know, you know, again, first I want to pray for your husband that you both have a long, holy life ahead of you. That's one. And secondly, yeah, we don't scatter because of the bodily resurrection. So I'd be curious. I'd love to have a conversation with him and say, what do you, do you believe in the bodily resurrection on the last day? It's the end of the creed, right? How do we end the creed every Sunday? And life everlasting, and you know, but and raise up body on the last day. We talk about that. We actually profess our creed. The end is the resurrection of Jesus and our resurrection, our eternal life. That's the last sentences of the creed. So we profess publicly that we believe that. If we believe that, 
there are certain things we shouldn't do, and one of them is scattering. So we pray, you know, I think just having a gentle conversation with him, um, kind of maybe you go to a website, sometimes there's great, the more, you know, I think people need to understand the body resurrection. Today there's a less belief in that because there's less reflection on it. So people are sort of, the secular age is washing over the side of the boat of the church and a lot of families, I get that. But, you know, hopefully, you know, we can certainly pray that he'll change his mind and, and want a place where also where you can go pray and where yeah. his resurrection will take place exactly. And kind of wouldn't, I think it's not helpful to, you know, but it, he needs to be engaged in a loving way, a gentle way, and just, uh, you know, maybe try to get him to reflect on his body and soul and that Jesus, what did Jesus accomplish? How did he accomplish it? The passion, what does the passion mean for us in death? That's a great question too, right? Where Lent is this hyper, you know, it's not just giving up chocolate. It's trying to get ready to go to heaven and making our bodies, you know, kind of in concert with our souls and, and becoming more like Jesus every day. That's what Lent is. It's a retreat to become like Christ and to know Christ. And ultimately, what's the end of Holy Week? Easter, we celebrate the bodily resurrection of our God, our Lord and God. So that's where Holy Week ends on the bodily resurrection of Christ. And then he ascends. He sits at the right hand of the Father. We profess that. And Mary's assumed, right, August 15th, she's assumed body and soul. Not just her soul. Her body is in heaven. So that's that's a big deal. There's no bones of Mary anywhere in the world. There's no bones of Jesus. Um, so that's how sacred the body is, even to the Holy Family and to the Trinity, that Mary's body and Jesus' body are in heaven glorified. That's that's the truth we preach, and that, that matters to us. It should also inspire us and help us and console us. You know, it's not, not the, the end of our life here is not the end of our life. And that's that's the beautiful message of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, amen to that. Well, thank you, Marie, for the for the email and Father for your response too. I'm going to summarize a couple of calls that have come in, and um, since we're running short on time here, a couple of people have been asking about miscarriages specifically, Father, and the appropriate thing to do there because sometimes there are some physical remains to miscarriages as well. So, yeah, any yeah. ideas or advice on what to do there? Yeah, hopefully you talk to your priest. Too. There's actually a ritual. There are prayers to pray and bless a miscarriage parents. Um, you know, again, the soul is infused at conception, right? So those children are in the presence of God. We remain, you remain mother and father uh, into eternity for those children, those souls, they belong to God. And if there are sometimes bodily remains, people will uh, bury those um, in a cemetery. I've certainly accompanied several parents along the priesthood way that, that the development was so much they could make out and, and they wanted that respect to, uh, to do that. So if that's a possibility, that's that's a great thing. It can also be consoling and helpful uh, and also very difficult. Miscarriages are really hard for people and uh, a lot of people yeah. have them and we need to kind of be sensitive to that too. But I think uh, the good news is about a miscarriage, if we understand the faith, the soul exists forever. Um, so those souls are not nowhere. They're with Jesus and hopefully moms and dads can take consolation in that too. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Let's take another phone call. Daniel calling in from Woodland, California. Good morning, Daniel. Thank you for calling into the Inner Life. Good morning. Thank you, Patrick, and thank you, Father. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a question on burial at sea. My brother was uh, cremated about six years ago, and a family member has been holding on to his uh, cremains very respectfully. And we're starting to talk about uh, that burial at sea. Uh, some people are talking about spreading his ashes. I know that's not acceptable, but uh, would it help somewhat if I offered to buy an urn or a container to put him wholly into the sea 
And yeah, yeah. So, is, yeah. and and am I able to participate in in that um, ceremony? Yeah, it is a burial, right? So, and you know, sometimes we see that see that there are burials at sea, right? So, but be, remain again not scattering, respecting that the resurrection kind of again like how we pray is what we believe, believing in the bodily resurrection, not denying that or not taking actions that would deny that, um, which is scattering. Again, some people are innocent. They don't know. They haven't reflected on the theology of bodily resurrection. So that's why I love this show because it's one of the one of the maybe weak points we have in modern society. Even those of us who study the faith, we have to know the fullness of. But yeah, burial at sea is a burial. It's burial in water, and of course, we know soldiers and other people in different circumstances. Sometimes it happens. Um, and certainly in wartime, other things. This is what happens. There is a burial at sea, um, and and that is a burial. So that we again trying not to scatter and doing that. I think that's that's the wise thing. But it sounds like you're moving in the right direction. But again, we want to make sure cremains are buried so that again, in a hundred years, they're in a place that, that is like that. So, so we'll pray for that as well. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for the phone call. Father, just a, just a little over a minute here before we ask for your blessing, but I know a couple of people have been asking too about uh, those who have committed suicide. And unfortunately, of course, that's a, it's a huge tragedy in, in someone's life to have, have yeah. a loved one commit suicide. But what are the yeah. churches, what's the church's current understanding about burial rights for those who have committed suicide? Yeah, it's the same. They're fully entitled to everything. They're sons and daughters of God, and sometimes often with addictions or mental health issues and other things that sort of a perfect storm often engulfs someone that does that. They often, just like someone, if they're, they often don't realize even what they're doing. They may be under influence, under stress, something happens. So the Lord, we, we commend them to the Lord of mercy. They should have a full funeral mass and a full burial, and uh, and I think it's so consoling. I have sadly enough walked with a lot of people that have buried people by suicide, and I find the Mass is so consoling. And uh, again, the bodily resurrection, Christ is, you know, again, having the, the Mass offered for them is such a beautiful gift for all of us. I hope when I die, many people have Masses offered for me as our first caller. I think we can, we can do something for the dead. We can pray for them. And having a Mass said for someone you love, living or deceased, is the best thing you can do. It's, it's the best. It's the prayer of Christ himself. So like having Mass offered for someone we love, is better than just saying in the rosary for them. There's something else there. There's a, there's a grace that, that's why you get a mass, a name, every mass, right? So it's it's really the Lord honoring uh, his own sacrifice and being applied to that soul. So, you know, I think that's the other thing is why we want to have a funeral mass, why we want to have, you can have a mass offered for anyone, you know, maybe not a public mass, they're not Catholic, but we can do that. And it's all good. I'm just going to, and I'll ask all our listeners stay tuned to just say one one Hail Mary, we get some vocations for the Archdiocese military, too, so our soldiers can have Eucharist and, uh, and priest out there, too. So that'd be a kindness. We'll do that, Father. Thank you so much for being our spiritual director today. May we have a quick blessing from you, too, as we close. May God bless you listening today, and may this particular Ash Wednesday and Lent, and especially Holy Week, be a time of rejoicing of your promised eternal life, God's mercy, and your bodily resurrection on the last day. May everything we've shared today help us to go in faith, to love Jesus more, and bring him to others. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father. Stay tuned next for the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the Cathedral of St. Paul. Until next time, grace and peace.